Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. But this guy realized that as they got close to the fire, they were dying. They were getting too hot, they got too close, and they were dying. And there's this pile of ants, they were all dead. And he was sitting there going, like, this is silly. I shouldn't let these guys die. And he tried to do a couple different things. I think one of the things he tried to do is put sort of a stick in the way. But these guys were just going over the stick and just following each other right into the fire and death. And he thought to himself, you know, the only way I could really stop these guys, and you probably have, maybe have heard this story, he said, the only way I can really stop them is if I was able to become an ant myself and actually go down and talk to these guys and be like, do you guys realize what you're doing? You know, you're going right into this fire. And it was like a light bulb went on his head that that's exactly what God did for us when he became a man in a manger so many years ago in Bethlehem. That he came to, to talk with us, to speak with us, to explain to us that we were lost. He literally entered into our mess. We talked about it a little bit last week. There's many views about the manger and the manger scene and what was going on there. Um, I kind of believe that it was a lot messier than we typically think. I think there was probably some ways that we glorify it in one way or another and in ways we glorify it in the other way. Um, but regardless of what you believe about the, what the manger scene was like, um, it was a mess that Jesus came to. Our mess, right? But why did he come as a baby and not like some great man or a king or Superman for that matter? I mean, there's probably some some great answers to that question, but I want to focus on one possible reason real quick tonight as we go about, we're going to light our lights here soon, Um, but I want to to focus on one possible thought. Um, Jesus came to be a light to the lost. So let's talk about light for just a minute, okay? We'll just talk about light, because light is fascinating. Um, And it seems appropriate as we're about to do this little lighting thing that we do every year. Uh, And I won't get get too off, but to me, I find it fascinating. Just give me a second here if you don't find this stuff cool. But science is really still trying to put a finger on what light really is. Um, I'm no expert, so I'm not going to pretend to be. I'm not going to try to talk about things that would only make me sound dumb, uh, dumber than I look right now. But um, let me just kind of explain this really quick. In a classical model of light, we see it as kind of an an oscillating electric and magnetic field that makes a light wave. And those waves are different lengths, and that's how we see color. And it's fascinating. It's just fascinating. And more research, though, uh, sort of throws a curveball at that older classical model because it also shows light to be made of particles, photons, that might have some mass, um, it's hard to say, but that seems to counter what the classical model always showed. And the, the bottom line I'm trying to get at is like, we can't really see it. We can't see light. It's really strange. It's, it's really, really incredible. But what we can do is we can observe much more about like what light does more than what it is, okay? Now, an even more fascinating thing, at least for me, this nerd right here, is what darkness is. I, I, have you ever thought about what darkness actually is? 
I do. Um, it, it's what keeps me up at night sometimes. Um, so Gretchen's like, why do you think about that kind of stuff? And I, I don't know why, but I'm not a good sleeper. Because I will sit there and go, what is actually the properties of darkness? I, that's fascinating to me. Anyway, something to think about. <laughs> the Bible, though, here's, here's, let's, get to, let's get to some better stuff. The Bible talks about light and darkness a lot. And it makes for some fascinating word study that I would encourage you guys to do and look into. What it mostly shows, though, is that light is so far beyond science and what we can categorize or observe, okay? So let me read some verses at you. This first one comes from Genesis. This is when God made light. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. That's fascinating. We don't think about that very often because we enter a dark room, we flip on a switch, and goodbye darkness, right? And we can see what's going on in the room. God did that, and we will never quite put our finger on what that actually means. But check this out. This is where it gets beyond science. Job 18, 5 through 7 says, Indeed, the light of the wicked goes out, and the flame of his fire gives no light. The light in his tent is darkened, and his lamp goes out above him. His fire gives no light. There's something more going on here in the Bible about light than just what we can scientifically put our finger on. Psalms 89.15 talks about how blessed are the people who know the joyful sound, O Lord. They walk in the light of your countenance. Different idea of light there. And then, if you guys remember what Jesus said about himself in John 8, John 8.12 Jesus again spoke, and I come, I'm throwing these fast at Nathan. He's doing a good job. Um, again, he spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many scientists have you heard like are studying what Jesus said there? What does he mean there? I am the light. But here's what's awesome. I love this. Uh, it says in me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not just follow the light of life but have the light of life. And that's what makes sense now when we look at Matthew 5, 14, 15, where he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says we have the light, that we are the light of the world. So the idea is like, look, light has so much more value than simply lighting up a room or making sort of a path visible that we couldn't see. Light has so much more than that. Clearly the Bible speaks of it as wisdom and life. It's spiritual. It's pure. It's priceless. Light helps us see for sure. I mean, obviously that's one of the things that we all just every day take for granted. It helps us see, but the Bible makes it clear that light helps us see with more than our eyes. But listen, here's the deal. Not if it's shown brightly in our faces like a spotlight. I was going to get a boat spotlight tonight and just burn, like shine it on you guys. And I thought that would be really annoying. But that's the point. When somebody shines a spotlight in your face, what does everybody do? Right? Right. Some of you have been hurt or annoyed by Christians in church. Because you've been blasted that way. People think that because Jesus says we have the light and we're supposed to be lights, that that's what we're supposed to do. Look at your sin. Look how bad you are. And that's not what it, he's calling us to do. That's not what he did. 
But if you think of the spotlight idea, that might be a tiny clue into why Jesus came the way that he did as a little baby. The light of Christ was meant to be beautifully seen, received, and then passed along. Maybe Jesus came as a baby, amongst other many good reasons, okay? I'm not, there's lots of good reasons why he came. I think he came to be able to identify with us and to, and to know what it was like to be one of us. And there's so many different reasons. But for tonight's point of, of talking about light, maybe he came as a baby just to start out as that small light, not a spotlight, but that would grow across communities and homes and then countries and nations kingdoms and continents, and then ultimately even across time to reach us here today. Maybe that's what he started off as that little light. So here's the deal. As we light our lights tonight, I just want you to think about a couple things. Let's think about the creator of light and how he came to earth as one of us, literally one of us, not posing as one of us, but literally, truly, one of us. He came to restore God's original, amazing idea of you. He came to restore his original, amazing idea of you. He came to rescue us, and the only way to do it would be to face rejection, to face mockery, and to face unbelief, which he did, all of those things. If you're here tonight and you face those types of things, he did too. He came to live in this mess with us, knowing that this mess would one day take his life in the most shameful and painful way that this mess could think of. But he came to light the way of life. And he also came to give his Holy Spirit that we would be lights as well. And that's the idea here. That's the idea here. So as we close tonight, lighting our lights and singing... We symbolize that growth of his beautiful restoration that started small in that little manger and grew across time and space to meet us here. And that's the idea of what we're doing.